every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. Guys, me and dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. I'm Joe Marino of NDT Scouting and FanRag Sports, joined by Kyle Krabs, who's the founder and director of scouting at NDT Scouting, also with FanRag Sports. It's a Wednesday here on the podcast. We spent Monday recapping the AFC East. Today is AFC North Day. Kyle, what's going on? Hey, my friend. How are you? Well, I'm well. I'm uh, I'm ready to dig into some... AFC North. This this class for this division had a lot of players that I really liked. Uh, I came away with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, seven of my top thirty prospects in this draft oh, wow. class went to the AFC AFC North. How about that? And then a uh, couple couple big reaches, but I don't want to spoil anything, so we'll we'll sit on it. There are three picks that I just love in this class, so I'm just going to take the floor right off the bat oh, here. Wow. And I'll talk. Joe's going to take the bull by yeah, the horns. Yeah, power move. Hey, when you're the mock draft champion, oh lord, you swoop in, you swoop in, and you say, "Hey, I got, I got, got to need the floor." Go ahead, All champ. Right, so, yeah, thank you. So three picks I love: Carl Lawson, my 23rd player in the class, 116 overall to the Bengals. Um, I obviously I love Carl Lawson, love the translatable pass rush skill set, and I think he is going to be a really nice edge rusher. And he has heavy hands; he can play the run. So um, I, I thought that was a tremendous value. Obviously, the medicals impacted what happened with his draft status because he's a much better player than the 116th in this class. So if he's healthy, look for him to have a major impact. How about Jermaine Illuminer 
This is a guy that I have been pounding the table for for several months. He goes to the um, the Ravens at 159, my 70th ranked player in this class. I think he's a plug-and-play right tackle. Um, he's a guy that I think has tremendous movement skills, power, can get in space, and his best football is ahead of him. You know, he's a guy that moved here from England when he was 14, background in rugby and wrestling, only one year of high school football, and he gets to Texas A&M and uh, really like what he was able to do on the field and what he projects to as an NFL player. And then Howard Wilson. This is another one of my favorites, my 55th player in the class. He goes to the Browns at 126, and I don't think Browns fans should have a, a ton of expectations for him in year one. Uh, but by year three, I think this is a starter, a guy that has really nice mental processing skills, tremendous ball skills. His his ball production per target is off the charts, and he's a really physical player. So right there are those three pairs, three of my guys, I guess, throughout the process, landing in this division with good value, uh, you know, almost 100-point deviation from my board positively in those three players. So when I look at this AFC North, those are the three big stands out to me. Yeah, would would never have guessed that Joe talks about Jermaine Illuminor on the Draft Dudes podcast. But this might be the last chance. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you got to get it in while you can. <laughs> this might be it. <laughs> um, when I look at the class, uh, first of all, the first thing that stands out to me, uh, good to know the Cleveland Browns are subscribers to NDT Premium. Uh, they took <laughs> Miles Garrett first overall. I had him ranked first overall. They took Jabril Peppers 25th, and I had Jabril Peppers rated 24th. And then they took David Njoku 29th, and I had David Njoku rated 28th on my draft board. So that full gauntlet of three first-round picks, three blue ch- potential blue-chip players, uh, the value was tremendous. They didn't get a pure, quote-unquote, steal. But they got three players that I thought they got tremendous value with. Them moving up and down the draft board the way that they did in the first round, um, I think really trumps what anybody else did. Even San Francisco, who came away with Salman Tavis and Ruben Foster. Um, Njoku, Peppers, Garrett, difference makers on a team that had none. That's what stands out to me, first and foremost. Yeah, and um, credit to them. They they didn't love the quarterbacks. They didn't reach for one that they weren't comfortable with, and um, we'll see what happens with Deshaun Kaiser. You know, I'm not overly optimistic about him, but I like that he wasn't a first-round quarterback and he doesn't have that label on him. Uh, so that whatever needs to happen, if it's uh, if it's an ease him in, if he just he's a backup, you know, th- there's not that first-round label, which I think is right. a big, big deal. Oh, and then you watch you watch this film, and one of the things that I really took away was uh, if he's going to be successful. Uh, you've got to be able to have sound pass protection and not let guys get in his face. Mm -hmm. And he goes to Cleveland, who's invested as much in the offensive line as anybody in the league the last couple years. Uh, They brought in two new starters this year. They really only really have a question at at, uh, right tackle. Their offensive line outside of that is set, and it's good players. So. Yeah. I think in the long term, that, that projection makes Kaiser more favorable uh, as well as working with Hugh Jackson does. Yeah, we've talked about uh, the Browns' right tackle position. Now they have Roderick Johnson in the mix, who, good Lord, is so far away from playing on a Sunday. But they 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 have uh, you know Cam Irving, Sean Coleman, and Spencer Drango. And I'd, I'd really like to see Sean Coleman win that job. Yeah. 
Uh, I think he's the most upside player. I mean, that dude is a run blocker in Auburn. Oh, he's mean, nasty <laughs> player. So I think and he's got movement skills and length. So, you know, I, I'd love to see him get every opportunity to get that right tackle job. Yeah, and he was a great story too, right? He was Can't. the uh, the the cancer survivor and um, got drafted in the middle rounds. Uh, really would love to see him, you know, take that over and flourish as the fifth offensive lineman in Cleveland. Joe, looking beyond your your quote unquote guys, uh, somebody that we didn't talk about to this point in the show, but I think both of us really agree was was one of our players. Uh, and somebody that was just a tremendous value uh, was Chris Wormley, mm-hmm. going forty or seventy fourth to the Baltimore Ravens in that Baltimore Ravens front. That low key is, as I'm looking through this, one of my absolute favorite picks out of the entire division, just because stylistically. He gives them some flexibility. His brand of football is very old-school Baltimore Ravens brand of football. And uh, that's how Ozzie Newsom's become Ozzie Newsom is, is letting the board. You know, we said that on the, uh, the live stream when we were doing our draft analysis. This is how the Ravens are the Ravens because they let these kinds of picks fall right into their lap. Yeah, and they did it. They did it like six times in a row, right? Yeah, to start the draft, <laughs> I mean, Marlon Humphrey's a guy that I love. My number nine player in the class. They got him at sixteen. Tyus Bowser, who I uh, love the potential there in terms of a guy that can rush the passer, play in space. Cover. They they have the creativity to get him in the right role. Uh, Chris Wormley, who you just touched on, a power player who's just going to be a, a friggin' force on that defensive line, and then Tim Williams, who. Um, if there's a spot, right, for him to go and really maximize what he offers as a pass rusher, it's it's definitely Baltimore, and they really needed to retool that pass rush arsenal. And then Nico Siragusa, who's yeah a big-time experienced people mover from San Diego State who has starting potential at guard, and then my guy Luminer. I mean, it's like the Ravens, no wonder why they're always – you know, adding talent and, and Newsom just is another class of his own and really love, you know, top to bottom what they were able to do. They had an emphasis. They wanted to get that defense right. They've got talent to all levels. They improved their offensive line. And uh, they got guys who I look at it through and through and I see starters and big time contributors. Yeah, I was I was really waiting for you to bring up Siragusa because that uh, one thing that I've done this year in, in grading the draft picks uh, in preparations for some of the NDT scouting premium content that's going to be coming out before the end of the month, is it's the full comprehensive breakdown of like every single pick and uh, grading that against my personal draft board. And Baltimore is a top 10th class. And um, I weighted the picks. And the best weighted pick was that Nico Siragusa pick for me in the division. Um, this was a player that ended up going on day three, and I had rated Mm -hmm. inside my my top 60 picks, Uh, he just barely edged out the Joe Mixon and Carl Lawson selections as uh, the best weighted value in the entire class for any pick versus my draft board. So uh, I really think that Siragusa picks an under-the-radar one where how many starters do do you think Baltimore has come out of this draft class with? It might be five or six, man. It would, you know, it's... That's really Humphrey's, uncharacteristic. Humphrey's a day one starter. 
I think mm-hmm. Tyus Bowser's a day one starter at inside linebacker. Uh, I would feel comfortable starting Chris Wormley. Nico Siragus is a potential starter. And then you've got Tim Williams, Illuminor, and Chuck Clark as the remaining in the class. <laughs> that's, Ravens got better. That's at least three or four starters in that class. Unbelievable. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. So look at this Steelers class, Kyle. I mean, uh, really interesting what they were able to do. I thought they filled weaknesses and got some pretty good value right off the bat. Uh, TJ Watt, who, you know, I guess just when you look back at it, of course he's a Steeler, right? He's He kind of fits their prototype, and he's a high upside player. My 15th player on the board overall, they got him at 30. Uh, they needed – edge rushing talent you're on record of saying that he could be the best pass rusher in this class um, and I love the motor I love what he offers against the run uh, he is going to be a a an animal just the way that he attacks the football which really fits you know what we've seen from these Steelers defensive players uh, and then Juju Smith-Schuster who they got to pick 62 you know it gives them a size physical option at wide receiver Cam Sutton 94 really a guy like that I think that yeah a really nice like inside guy they've got some size on the outside uh you know that can match up but Cam Sutton is going to be that interior nickel corner slot corner that can also add value as a punt returner um so I like that James Conner what a story man I mean that's one of the feel good ones and then you know he stays in Pittsburgh gives them a power back um and you just root for him you love that Josh Dobbs I know that you're not crazy about it but he, you know, he's he can challenge Landry Jones as the backup quarterback. I'm sure he'll do well in terms of implementation of the of the playbook, and you know, maybe get him into a little bit more of a pro style system compared to what he did at Tennessee, and see what's there. He's obviously got the athletic ability and the uh, and the mental side of things down. And then Brian Allen, who's a big time upside cornerback, yeah. all the length and athleticism you could ask for. Um, you know, he's just a little bit raw. He's, he's learning the position, but his physical components are outstanding. Yeah. Uh, Pittsburgh, the Josh Dobbs pick aside, uh, was one of the most consistent teams, uh, picking against my draft board for respective value. Uh, Watt was my 30th player, went 30th. Smith Schuster was my 62nd or 66th player. He went 62nd. Cam Sutton, I had ranked 130, went 94th. So those three picks were all within 10 spots of their their actual selection. Uh, James Conner, I had 18th, went 105, so 13 spots off. Brian Allen uh, was went 173, I had 197, so that was within 25 spots. Uh, they picked a long snapper, shame on them. How dare they? <laughs> And then uh, with, with the, the fifth to last pick, they picked Keon Adams, who was a player from Western Michigan as a pass rusher that we didn't do. Uh, the Josh Dobbs pick was off by 75 slots. So <laughs> that was really, a, I think, a missed opportunity. Joe, I could go in there and challenge Landry Jones. Okay. He, he's not a very good quarterback. So uh, I, think, I thought Dobbs was a late round five – Good value in round six. Uh, that one missed the mark for me. But by and large, looking top to bottom, this was an entire class that I really uh, thought they did a nice job getting good value with because uh, it was players all the way from top to bottom that were right in line with, with where I thought the players were were worthy of being considered. Kyle, uh, Kyle how surprised were you that – 
Cole Mazza from Alabama wasn't the first long snapper drafted. Stunned. I was stunned. This, this guy was a five-star recruit as a long snapper. He, it, it, Alabama credits him with no inaccurate snaps for his entire career. He actually checked out as a pretty decent athlete, and he's, he didn't even get drafted. But we get Cole, Cole Holba, Colin Holba out of Louisville. Drafted 213. That's, that's hey. That was one of the low-key surprises. Long snapper is a thankless and difficult position to play. Did you ever do it? In your da- did you ever try? Uh, yes, I have tried to, snap, to long snap. How'd it go? I was a better punter than long snapper. Oh, very. you know, Kyle, fun fact on Joe Marino. One year in my high school days, I was the punter and kickoff specialist. Um, and then I, I, I pretended like I was the backup punter and and kickoff specialist, self-appointed, uh, my 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 sophomore, <laughs> junior, and senior years. So and the reason is because I didn't I didn't want to wait in the locker room to go out for warmups because right. you know the specialist gets. So I go yep. out there, punt the ball Just around, mill around a little bit, and yeah, yeah. As opposed to sitting in the locker room. Heck you know? yeah, no, I yeah. I my headphones were on. You couldn't okay. you couldn't get through to me with a megaphone. <laughs> what do we- let's uh, let's look at the bang glass. I think we really need to talk about this class because it's the one in the division that I really thought missed the mark, to be honest. If you flip um, them around, like if you just kind of like restack mm, them, it no. ain't so bad. No. <laughs> go uh, ahead. Podium, the platform is yours, oh, Kyle. Oh, man. Bengals fans, go ahead and hang up now. Uh, call back tomorrow. Um, we might have something you might enjoy more. John Ross was the worst pick in the division. Worst valued pick as a multiplier of any pick in the division. Uh, 98th rated player went ninth. Um, still have continued to hear after the fact in which there's no reason for teams to leak this kind of stuff out. Uh, a couple people failed John Ross for his medicals and went top 10. It's Teddy Ginn all over again. It's crazy. Speed guy, one dimensional. Uh, I, if you would have told me that the Bengals took him in round two, I could say, uh, okay, they're betting on the upside. But for a top 10 selection, uh, just a gross you know, miscalculation as far as it, it seemed just seemed like a, they went total opposite pole looking for explosive plays because they were not an explosive offense last year. Uh, but Elton doesn't throw very effective deep balls anyway. So now you've got a burner that has a quarterback that's not very consistent pushing the ball down the field with a player with a small catch radius that doesn't do well playing off contact with somebody in his hip pocket. So that one missed the mark. Um, Jordan Willis went 73rd. Uh, one of the top five weight-adjusted worst picks in the division. Uh, Ryan Glasgow, I didn't think was a draftable player, went 138. Uh, really surprised by that one. Uh, so, so three of the worst four value picks in the division, when grading off of my personal draft board, went to the Cincinnati Bengals. Hmm. Um, I thought Josh Malone was a, a decent pickup for them. I think he was, again, they're looking for splash plays. They're looking for vertical plays down the field. At least Malone has length and size to be able to adjust the catch point. Um, Let's see, who am I? Let's try and find some positivity here because I feel like I've gone in really hard uh, on Cincinnati. Mixon, your number seven. Oh, yeah, Joe player. Mixon. Joe Mixon, <laughs> Joe Mixon in the second round. Uh, and I forget who said it, 
but somebody in the draft buildup, I think it was Joe Goodberry, actually, on Twitter, who's a, a, a Bengals guy, said the absolute floor for Joe Mixon in the draft was the Bengals in the second round. And sure enough, here he is. Um, interesting stuff that, that uh, I actually put an article out today, depending on when you listen to this, uh, at FanRag Sports, looking at the top four runners in the 2017 NFL draft class, Mixon, McCaffrey, Fournette, and Dalvin Cook, and looking at some advanced statistics for them as far as you know productivity versus certain numbers in the box, productivity in certain game situations and formations. And uh, Mixon surprised me because he's got some, some red flags that uh, he's going to have to address before he makes the most on his physical abilities and, and football skills. And uh, Joe, I'm assuming that was a tea sip. Yeah. You know, was, <laughs> it sounded like you ripped a newspaper in half, just so you know. It, I'll be honest. I didn't have any tea. I just, I, <laughs> I tried to make the noise my best I could with, uh, if you, with just... if you don't come, pre- I don't care if you're the Bach draft champion. If you don't come prepared, <laughs> you do not have luxury of making the tea sipping sound. I, th- was I thought it was white noise. I thought it was something like crawling out of my computer monitor to like snatch my soul away or something. That's that's one we're going to remember for a while. Yeah, that one's uh, welcome. We're going to get some mentions on that one. You're welcome. So yeah, um, I thought Joe Mixon was their best pick in the draft. Uh, but that said, there's some some alarming um, numbers game. If you start playing the numbers game and start trying to f- look for context on his productivity at, at Oklahoma and the spread offense that they run, uh, there's going to be a transition there. And it'll be interesting to see how he tackles that. But I ultimately do think he's, he's the most physically gifted runner in the class. I think he'll be fine. I just don't think you're going to see immediate explosion like you saw from, like, Ezekiel Elliott last year. Almost like there was some stylistic concerns about how he pressed. <sighs> you know what? <laughs> I Not once. I made sure I did not mention once pressing the line of scrimmage in that article. But, oh, just because of me? Yes, just because of you. Do I, I have that kind of power on you, Krabs? You do. You do. Wow. Wow. I don't even know what to say. Well, maybe next time we get together, you can use your power over me to convince you to teach you how to do the tea sipping sound. How's that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, yes, for sure. For sure. I need to know how. <laughs> what about you? What did you think of the Bengals real quick? Um, well, you know, that's the thing is if you flip it around, I'm good with it. You know, if you take Carl Lawson in the first round, uh, it, it mix it in the second and Ross in the third, you know, however you can do that. Um, I thought it was a, a overcompensation to your point where they needed big play receivers. They got two, they needed pass rushers. They got a couple, um, but maybe not necessarily the best players in the right spots. Um, one thing that I've been saying about Jordan Willis, and you know, this will be the 55th time I've said this and probably the last, cause we're moving on here uh, is that I'd like to see Willis in more of an off ball situation where that, where he can still, rush the passer but the edge is softened for him you know he struggles to bend and, and corner the edge but if, if you can have him widening out and attacking from angles that allow him to use that straight line speed to close down distances and use his speed to power conversion his heavy hands you know you can get him in situations where he can win I'd like to see him in a Manny Lawson role which is interesting because I saw them say something this past week where they're going to try to use Carl Lawson in that type of a role so uh, they got the guys reversed, you know, so try again, Bengals coaches. But, uh, uh, you know, I like to see that happen with him. You know, the, 
there's players that I think can help them, but I just across the board the value was a little bit off. Um, and, and you you more so than I did because um, I'm higher on some of the players than you are. But by and large, this is the one that you look at and say, yeah, I think this is a little off. Yeah, yeah. Um, totally agree as far as if you if for me you'd have to put Joe Mixon round one. You'd have to put Carl Lawson round two. John Ross round three. Uh, you do that, okay? We can we can kind of start to formulate some appropriate value with their picks. Uh, but just consistently, I didn't even think they got a guy in the later rounds that really stood out to me as a a player that makes you say, "Oh, okay, they they got a steal there." It was um, Mixon went early enough where it was not a pick that was able to. If I'm going off my my draft scoring versus my draft board, he went early enough where he made up some ground. But you know, Glasgow, Dealman, um, Jordan Willis, John Ross—it's just the adjusted weights were just so yeah. steep it really knocked their class down. Yeah, the, the average for you is really bad. <laughs> I mean, you've got a 150-point reach. You've got an 89 and an 81 to go with the 44. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, there's only so much ground you can make up, right? Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. No. It's not. That one's going to be bad when we get a chance to look at your graph. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, well, I, I don't necessarily think uh, Bengals fans will. And with that, that, any parting thoughts? You know, we, we kind of informally touched on almost all of Cleveland's class between Garrett Peppers and Joku Kaiser, Howard Wilson, Roderick Johnson. We didn't talk about Larry Ogunjobi. No. Um, I think he's going to be really nice, man. That's a one of the most – perfect situations for him to go to is is a team that's got twitched up pass rushers on the outside. You got a big dude next to him in Danny Shelton. I think he's going to get a lot of one-on-one looks and I mm-hmm. think his athleticism is really going to shine. Yeah, they've got some explosive upfield guys and you know, they're going to be able to really hit you from several different angles and uh you know, put a lot of heat on these quarterbacks and, you know, tackles for loss against the run, you know, with their, with Garrett, with Og and Joby, with uh, Ogba and, you know, Jamie Collins cleaning up stuff behind him. I, I really like what Cleveland's building. Don't love what they have at quarterback. Um, but the, the situation's right for when they do have it. Right. And that's what seems to be interesting because the more that we talk to folks in in football media the more there seems to be like two really firm lines in the sand with school of thought where if you don't have a quarterback you have to take one or you build your entire roster and then worry about the quarterback and that seems to be what cleveland's kind of subscribed to um not prioritizing allowing deshaun kaiser to kind of be the high upside pick in the second round uh, and not let that dictate their draft board um but they've built the offensive line. They still need to, to flesh out and really solidify the receiving group because they, they lost Gordon. Uh, they lost Pryor. Um, but they did bring in Njoku as a middle-of-the-field guy that's got some explosiveness. Uh, but they still need to sure up what they have on the boundary and really you know, get solid contributions there with consistency. And they're really building in the, on the defensive side of the football, which I really like. It's been too long since I put you on the hot seat. Oh, boy. Who is Cleveland's week one starting quarterback? Mm. Cody Kessler? 
I guess. You're probably not, you're probably not wrong. Yeah. That's my, my gut says Cody Kler. You know, he, he didn't embarrass himself down the stretch and that's, um, unfortunately that's been a barometer of Cleveland quarterback plays, you know, just (laughs) how bad are you? And he wasn't bad. He, his, actually his passing efficiency was a lot better than I thought it would be. But that's again, what makes it so weird that, you know, the draft hated Nate Peterman this year because Kessler, I thought, had a really soft arm. Uh, mm-hmm. We saw him at the Senior Bowl last year, and every single one of those balls seemed like it floated to get there. Uh, but this was a guy that was a smart decision maker, took care of the football, kept the offense on schedule, threw with anticipation, and he did enough to produce respectable levels of offensive output for the Cleveland Browns as a rookie. And um, so it's just a weird kind of almost feels like a double standard, right? It's, sure. It's uh, I guess the the media firestorm that uh, Joe and only Joe is guilty of leading on Nate Peterman uh, kind of got swept away, and the NFL reacted accordingly. Interesting that Peterman's in Buffalo, and uh, Kessler is in Cleveland, the two Lake Erie teams, right? You know, it's the, the, the two cold-weather teams that two can't cold afford weather. to have a guy that can't zip the ball in, in windy, yep. blustery, poor weather. Here they are. Bada-bing. Yeah. Bada-bing, bada-boom. Is that your uh, uh, beep it bee of the day? Uh, no. <laughs> no, I've already done it. I've already, I've already delivered yeah, one of those. Yeah, so if you guys don't get that reference, Joe tried to do the Roadrunner runtime and uh, – no, I, try, I tried to toot my own horn. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Beep yeah, it toot my own. Yeah. And I went I went Roadrunner, and it, it was bad. Yeah. It was bad. Yeah. Well, that let's wrap it before anybody embarrasses themselves anymore, whether that's myself rambling on players that I'm probably going to have to eat a lot of crow on with the Cincinnati class, watch them all come out and just ball out, or, or you making some weird sound effects. Uh, thank you all so much for taking the time to listen to the Draft Dudes. Today we are – uh, almost halfway through the month of May, the draft is coming gone in a, in a couple of weeks, and uh, that doesn't mean we're stopping though. You know, we're going to continue to take the month of May and work through every division. Going to dedicate some time and talk about the impact of the players and what they are going to impact the teams and uh, long term what the implications of these players being added are. And uh, we look forward to giving something at some point for each and every fan of each and every team. In the meantime, uh, please feel free to swing over to ndtscouting.com. We want you to consider us your oasis for the desert that is draft time in the summer. We are doing a lot of great work there. Uh, John Ledyard's putting something out on Ohio State defensive end Sam Hubbard. Uh, Joe Marino's put two outstanding pieces out in the past two weeks uh, looking at Florida State cornerback. Remind me his name. It slipped me, Joe. Tarvaris McFadden. Tarvaris McFadden. He he was tied with Razul Douglas for interceptions in Division One football last year uh, with eight. Joe looked at each and every one of those and gave context to how that interception happened and why it happened. And I looked at Sam Darnold earlier this week, looked at uh, some of his game situation stuff and why his, his mental maturity is really impressive and really special for where he is as a, a quarterback prospect with just 10 starts under his belt. Uh, so we have a lot of great stuff. We're continuing to work through uh, the class-by-class breakdown of best values and worst values, Joe and I. And uh, we're starting to talk about 
our watch list for 2018. So there is a whole bunch of stuff going on over at NDT Scouting. We highly encourage you guys to check it out. Uh, Joe, I think we're going to have a sponsorship for the podcast here soon. Oh, yes. So oh, yes. That's Very thankful. We're, we're really excited for as well. We're looking forward to telling you guys about that probably on Friday. Hopefully, Hopefully. we get the, uh, the John Hancock on the dotted line. Thank you guys for listening to Draft Dudes. I'm Kyle Krabs signing off with Joe Marino. We will be back again on Friday to look at the AFC South. You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. About 720 to 729, select styles only. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.